Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome to Next Step Leadership Podcast. Um, Chris Maxwell and uh, Tracy Reynolds, my dear friend, is with me. And and Tracy, it's nice uh, when we are able to have conversations together with each other, but also when we meet a new friend. Absolutely. Uh, and so talk to us about our guest today for this podcast. Well, we are blessed to have Justin Kendrick. Uh, he's a pastor in, uh, actually in New England. I'm excited. Uh, it's cold up there these days. I'm not envious of that, Justin. But uh, he is the co-founder and lead pastor of Vox Church in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, I think for almost 12 years, uh, 2011, I believe they started. And their mission was to see New England, listen to this, transformed from the least church region in the U.S. in the U.S. to the most spiritually vibrant place on earth. That's quite a vision, and my heart resonates with that. Uh, planted the church near a small college called Yale University, and now has nine campuses throughout the Northeast. You talk about mm-hmm. the blessing of God. Uh, Justin is a uh, husband and father of four children. That is amazing in itself. He has written a book a couple years ago called Bury Your Ordinary, Practical Habits of a Heart Fully Active, and now he has a brand new book called uh, The Sacred Us, A Call to Radical Christian Community, and we're looking forward to diving in. Welcome, Justin. It is so good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're excited, and uh, so let's just dive in, and you uh, tell us a little bit about you, uh, your your story, because uh, one of the things I like so much about your book is just kind of that personal touch. Uh, you know, it's inviting and not preachy, like you're staring at us and pointing, but you're inviting us uh, to, your, to your heart. Um, so, yeah, yeah to talk to us a little bit about your story. Yeah, for sure. Well, I met Jesus as a teenager, and... Uh, you know, it was one of those instances where I hadn't known much about God or really uh, heard the gospel until that time. And uh, my parents had been divorced. Very classic New England story, you know, kind of non-practicing Catholic, some spiritual knowledge, but no encounter with Jesus. And then uh, when I met Jesus, you know, my life got turned upside down. I fell in love with him and I began reading the Bible, praying and grateful for my church community, for the family of faith that I was connected to. But I can remember even 16, 17, 18 years old feeling this disconnect, right? Where it was like, I started reading the book of Acts. I started looking at what the church was intended to be in terms of a vibrant, Jesus-focused community centered on the way of Christ. And then I looked at what I was seeing, which was far too often a divided people, autonomous individuals that were trying to access spiritual goods without deep relationship and deep community. And I can remember even as a young follower of Jesus, just feeling that disconnect and saying, something's not right here. And so my experiment began in college. Uh, Me and a few of my friends moved into a uh, apartment off campus and uh, we started leading guys to Jesus and inviting them to come and live with us. So by the time I was a senior, we had nine guys in a two bedroom apartment and it was wow. a jungle. It was craziness. <laughs> all new Christians, all new followers of Christ. And this was my first experiment 
with uh, living out community in a more direct way and um, still connected to our local church, still loved our local church, but felt like we needed to do life in a more tangible, more accessible way. And so I got married just a couple weeks uh, after graduating college and my wife and I bought a multifamily house because we had this vision to do life with others in an accessible way. And it was right in the urban center of New Haven, Connecticut, just a, a little uh, little walk from Yale University and, uh, and a vibrant city. And some other Christians moved into our home with us. And then some of our other friends bought a house about a half a block away. And before we knew it, we had about 15 people just doing life together, just um, raising our kids together, sharing Jesus together. And this community started to grow, started to form. And uh, by 2011, Chrissy and I felt this real call to plant churches in New England. And we began our first church. But by that time, we had bought a second house in the city and some other friends had bought another house. And things started to expand rapidly where we got to a point within the first year of the church, we had about 12 houses in a four block radius, all followers of Jesus or new Christians living together, doing life together. This was not out in the backwoods, you know, somewhere. This was in the urban core, right in mm. a city, uh, doing life together and giving each other unusual access to our lives, right? So uh, we're seeing one another, not just in the moments where everything's polished, but kind of in the clumsy moments of life, you know, mm -hmm. and really trying to figure out what does it look like to take Acts 2, 42 to 47 and really practice it in a deeper way where daily they broke bread together and regularly they're in each other's homes. And, uh, and this became our reality. And it was from uh, these years, uh, we lived uh, in community, kind of deeply connected in the city uh, for 18 years total. And, uh, you know, it was during this time that, that we started to uh, see in the Bible a pattern of life where Christians were more accessible to one another than what's common in the, uh, in the Western American kind of version of, of our faith. And it was out of this that our church started to grow and that a new ethic, a new way of doing our faith started to grow uh, for us. It's not new to the Bible or to history, but for us, mm -hmm. it was new. And, uh, and that's where this book came from. That's where the sacred us came from and the principles that are in it. But, um, but from that point, you know, my wife and I, became, there's a lot more to it, but we became foster parents. We ended up adopting a little girl. And all of these things were sort of manifestations of this commitment to say, we want to live our life uh, accessible. And what does it look mm -hmm. like to do community in a way that's very intentional and, uh, and that allows for consistent access? And from there, the church exploded. And actually, that little community really became the, the breeding ground for a move of the Holy Spirit where uh, new churches started planting and, you know, it's now nine locations. We're in six of the 10 largest New England cities. And these little pockets of intentional community are now all over the place across New England. That's a fascinating story. I think of two words. It sounds like fun and it sounds messy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is both of those things for sure. Uh, and, and, you know, in the book, I talk a lot about that, but I think that one of the things that we... Uh, we misunderstand about biblical community is we think that, you know, it should be easy and mm. there's nothing in the Bible that even begins to promise this idyllic, perfect, glorious, you know, effortless community. In fact, of course, it's the exact opposite, right? That even though, you know, in our culture, it's actually easier to become buddies with the guys on your softball team or at work or at the coffee shop 
because at least you're gathering around a shared hobby. You know, right. when it comes to our faith, uh, we're actually gathering around our shared brokenness. We're coming to Jesus uh, as sinners in need of forgiveness. And so it's going to be a complicated community, right? It's going to cost you and uh, it's going to be difficult and painful, but it's also going to be beautiful and glorious and miraculous. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful picture, fun and painful. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I believe that uh, relationships take time and intentionality. You know, they don't just happen, as you said. Uh, That's right. I, I love that this is something that was birthed out of uh, a primacy in your faith, that you realize, wait a minute, there's more. Uh, we're reading the Bible, and there seems to be. Uh, my story's similar. That I, as I was reading Scripture, I just, I was a little Methodist boy. I was raised uh, around the ethics of Christianity. Uh, but as you said, there was a sense that there's more to the story. There's more to this Um and it really happens in a handful of relationships. I think God shows up in little pockets of people that, as you said, uh, you know, doing life together, that means, as you said, eating together, uh, you know, uh, playing together, uh, maybe working together, but not yeah. more than just meeting on, you know, in, in a church building on a Sunday morning, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think one of the, the great dangers of our age, and this is true of every age all through history, is that Christians... Uh, you know, adopt the values and the ethic of the culture that we're living in to a degree that it moves us out of a biblical paradigm. And I think in our time, uh, especially in the West, right, the temptations of materialism and the temptations of individualism have deeply affected our Christian faith in ways that we don't recognize. And we don't recognize it because it's just the air we breathe. It's the way we do life. But as Americans, you know, as Westerners, we see ourselves through this rugged individualist lens, right? My mm-hmm. highest value is my autonomy and my freedom, right. my individuality. Mm-hmm. And listen, these are not all bad ideas, but when pushed to the degree that we naturally push them to in our context, we actually become profoundly unbiblical, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, the scripture constantly goes back to this idea where Paul says, you are members of one another. And he actually goes as far as to say, you belong to each other. And as, right. as Americans, we're like, whoa, whoa, no, I, I belong <laughs> to me. Like, no, like this is my house, my property, my wealth, my, you know, it's mine. And if I share a little bit with you, maybe, but, but Paul pushes it way further than that and says, no, you're a, the body of Christ. And, and you like this whole concept of a personal relationship with Jesus that we love to talk about in our context isn't really found in the Bible the way that we've depicted it in our, in our time, right? Because in the Bible, a personal relationship with Jesus was always connected to intimate relationship with other Christians. And we think that we can be autonomous Christians, and it's just me and Jesus. And that whole paradigm for faith uh, is absent in the New Testament. Yeah, and it's, that's so relevant to us today because we're living in this culture of pastors and many followers of Christ who've been wounded relationally. Yeah. And they have chosen to live this life of isolation. Right. Uh, I mean, they, they, they know the biblical context of community and the stories in the Bible. I mean, the, these are plural. They're not singular. It's, right. to, it's to us uh, and, and not just to me. But because of the pain, because of the hurts, they've chosen to find uh, some method of uh, religious escape. 
and right. and I love what you're saying, um, and and I'm wanting more of us, myself, and, and many of those who are listening, to remember the importance of community. It's it's not to be about me. It should be we. We are in this together and for the building of the kingdom. Yeah, you know, one thing I'm doing recently in my prayer time, which has been a challenge, is, uh, you know, I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. And when I do, I find that I naturally make it me. I say, you know, my Father in heaven, holy is your name. You know, give me today my daily bread. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong with personalizing it to a degree, but that's not the prayer that Jesus taught us, right? Jesus taught us a prayer that was our Father. Give us this day, this collective prayer that saints on every continent across the planet can pray together for one another, right? This this uh, unifying prayer that was really about the body of Christ. And there is this tendency, oftentimes because of offense or because of hurt or because this pastor let me down um, or this leader failed me, to retreat. But yeah. You know, the the danger or the the great mistake of our time is that retreating compounds the illness, whereas Mm. pressing in is where we find healing. And so, you know, um, this is the challenge of our age, of our time, is that we actually have to teach followers of Christ that the only way you're healed is through the hands of your brother, through the heart Mm. of your sister, through community is where you find healing. And so the pain is real. I don't I don't want to, you know, minimize any hurt or pain that people have felt in the church. But the healing, you know, uh, James says, pray for one another, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Right. And so the healing actually comes through the confession one to another, uh, not just me and God. And so the body is what heals the body. Hmm. That's so rich. Well, you chose to write a book uh, about this, and it seems like the book really came out of uh, was birthed out of your life. Which again, I, I deeply admire and respect. It's like the, this came out of, you know, people were saying, probably asking questions. Well, how did the you, you did this church, you did this way. Uh, could you codify that? Could you give us a sense of well, how do we do that? But you wrote about community, and so I, I have to ask the question: Why this book, and why now? Yeah, well, I think that uh, we are culturally at a very strategic, important moment for the church and for. Uh, the world that we're living in. I think that the world is waking up. I think that the COVID-19 pandemic had a lot to do with this. But when you look through history, you see that great moves of God very, very often followed great tragedies and trials. So if you look at World War II, post-World War II, great moves in the spirit. You look at the Civil War, post-Civil War, great moves in the spirit. And I really believe that right now in our time, after a two-year pandemic shutdown that changed the world in so many different ways, we are now on the cusp of a spiritual renewal. And I think mm. the great disease of our time, or what I call it in the book is the, the new leprosy, is this leprosy of loneliness, that mm. we are more connected, more accessible than ever before, and yet exponentially more lonely than ever mm. before. And the culture of our time is just scratching their heads, going, wait a minute, why, why are so many, especially young people, battling with depression, anxiety, loneliness, suicidal ideation, all of this on the rise, And yet we have so much accessibility. And the reason is because we've not learned to open up our lives in vulnerable, honest relationship that goes deeper than just a transactional agreement. And uh, and so I think that 
This book for me was written first for our church to teach these things to the people that, that, that we shepherd, that we're a, a part of leading at Vox, but, uh, but then it, to, the, to the church at large to say, we're off course and, and we have an opportunity right now to offer to the world and to followers of Jesus a different way of living, but we've got to be intentional about building that community. And so this book is just, you know, one little contribution in what I think God is doing all across uh, the world right now, which is pulling people back to rethink the way we do life with one another. I think it would be good for you uh, before we close this episode, and we'll talk more about the book in our next episode, but let's, let's take the, you know, the next few minutes and you focus on that word loneliness. Um, because that's the part that has hit me from your message. Um, and it hits me so hard as I'm counseling many people who, yeah. uh, as I mentioned earlier, want nothing to do with church. They've been hurt. So they've chosen this life of isolation, but they are living in this pain of loneliness. Just take a few minutes and talk to us about that before we close. Yeah. In the book, I tell the story of uh, a girl named Pia Ferenkoff, who was a successful uh, early 40s you know, a person living outside of Boston and uh, she unexpectedly passed away. And in the story, this is a true story. In the story, her body was discovered uh, by some people who uh, were there to repair something at her home that wasn't working properly. But when the medical examiners discovered her body, what they found was Pia Ferenkov hadn't died the week before. She hadn't died the month before. She hadn't died two months before. She had actually died 1,817 days before her body was found, which means that for years uh, this girl died. And she had many siblings, cousins, nephews, aunts, uncles, parents, and no one knew. No one even noticed. And I think she's a uh, profound example of something that's far more um, uh, consistent or, you know, uh, it's consistently happening all across this culture and this time, which is people are living isolated lives where I don't see anyone. I don't interact with anyone. No one calls when I don't show up. No one knows where I am or what I'm doing. And I just, I would just say to our listeners even now that if, if you're living that way, um, the good news is that the gospel provides hope that we don't have to live that way. We don't have to be people who are isolated. But if we're going to change, and, and that's what this book is about, there are some principles we have to put into our life. There, there are some things that we have to actually do that are going to make us uncomfortable, but also going to set us free. Oh, that is so good. Wow. Well, tell us, uh, tell the audience again the name of the book and, uh, and how to pick up a copy before we close. Absolutely. Yeah, the book is called The Sacred Us. And if you go to thesacredus.com, there's a bunch of resources. There's actually a small group guide that's for free on that uh, website, but sacredus.com. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can get it at Amazon, wherever books are sold. And then at voxchurch.org, there are a number of other resources as well regarding this theme. Well, we certainly appreciate you just scratching the surface. I look forward to, to actually just talking through some of the principles that you placed in the book. But thank you so much for paying attention to the Holy Spirit and attending your life towards relationships that matter. 
and intimacy and true community. Uh, I just want to say as a, as, a, as a fellow pastor and brother in the Lord, thank you for the courage to do that in a place where uh, it's needed everywhere. But uh, having a brother-in-law and a sister-in-law from, from New England, man, I can tell you, yeah, thank you for, for, for doing that. And we look forward to having you back uh, for next time. You know, that's uh, our, our privilege. Well, Chris, we're all about trying to help people make their next step their best step. We pray today that'll be exactly what happens in your life as you intentionally choose to have significant, meaningful relationships. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Services, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.